And we're rolling in three, two, one. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo. And cue the intro. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Drama Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible with a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Drama Recovery Podcast. That is the second time using the new intro. It's not too bad. Al Cameron, thank you so much for being on the show today, making the time and struggling through our technical difficulties this morning. I appreciate it. No worries. I think I thank you for the interview time, and uh, it's good to finally see you. Yes, sir. Well, Veterans Voices of Canada, let's just start with the easy stuff. What the heck is it? Well, Veterans Voices of Canada is a nonprofit uh, charity that I began back in 2005. And basically what I do is our, our mission statement is we give honor and tribute to our past and present veterans through historical documentation, tributes, and historical educational displays across Canada. Um, that encompasses a lot, but um, if you want me to go on, I will. But uh, you feel free to ask some questions about that. <laughs> well, what are the nuts and bolts of it? So you do video interviews. Yeah, that, that's that's basically how uh, why I started Veterans Voice of Canada. Um, my family has a huge, long history of service from World War One, right to Afghanistan, and current serving members now. Um, as I was growing up, my mom, my dad told me about their uncles. My mom's uncle, who I already uh, I already talked a little bit about Ernie Ernest Glenmore Hill. He was a North Nova Scotia Highlander, D-Day veteran, landed in France June 6th and was killed in action July 25th, 1944. Uh, so she told me a lot about him as I was growing up. Uh, my father, Edgar, Edgar Cameron, he, um, he told me about uh, his uncles and uh, sister, or I'm sorry, his brothers and his sister who, um, who were serving during World War II um, from North, another North Nova Scotia Highlander, D-Day veteran, Curly Cameron. His brother Leland Cameron was a D-Day Dodger with Cape Breton Highlanders. Um, John John Baden Cameron, he was with the Merchant Mariners, served on an oil tanker, traveling back and forth the Battle of the Atlantic. And then Ella Cameron, who um, she was a CWAC uh, during the war. And um, so I heard a lot about them growing up, and that really really gave me, I guess, the history bug, I guess, if you want to call it. And I remember ever since I was, I don't know, 9, 10 years old, walking back and forth to the, to the library um, three, four times, sometimes in a day, to find out, to get these books all on World War II. And um, that's basically how, how, I, how it began. Um, apparently, through many or over the years, I've heard a lot of people telling me that they were calling me talking about what I was going to do when I got older and Apparently, what I was saying was it came true. This is what I do. So I sit with veterans, document their stories on camera for history and education. Is really the core of it then is the respect of the service of your family, and that's the core motivator for traveling the country doing all these interviews? 
I, I guess that's probably it, you know. Uh, it just instilled in me that from an early, early age that this this is an important part of our history uh, without me even know it, knowing it when I was doing it when I was younger, uh, that it was important. And uh, as I got older, um, I, I, I got the experience through my television broadcast experience uh, career um, to put the two together. just made sense. I'm a, I'm a history buff, have been for years and years and years. I uh, learned the skills of television videography and uh, put the two of them together. And from since 2005, I've sat with over 2,000 veterans from Afghanistan, right to World War II, right to Afghanistan, and everybody in between. It's Canadian military history. It's important. It must be documented. What have you learned about veterans in general from all these interviews? That's a lot of interviews. It's a lot of interviews, and uh, <clears throat> I guess... Not so much learned, but something I really, I, I really found out was that uh, whether you're a World War II veteran or an Afghanistan veteran or a Yugo uh, veteran, a Cold War veteran, they all have the same, same kind of um, pride. They're proud of what they've done. They're proud of their experiences, and um, it's important what they've all done. And uh, it, it's just a pretty, pretty amazing thing. I, I can speak to a, a 95-year-old veteran. I can speak to a 23-year-old, 24-year-old veteran, and um, they're basically the same person, just different service periods. Can you spot one in the grocery store now? Do you have the eye for it? I, I think I do. I think I can. You know, uh, it's it's served me well. I'll, uh, it's, it's keywords, you know. I'll talk to somebody and uh, just even, even the way they say it. But um, I'll just, something, whatever it is, they'll tweak me and I'll look, uh, did you serve? Yeah, and uh, so I got I got that a lot. Sometimes you know I, I misfire and they look at me like I'm crazy. But, uh, <laughs> so so do I. <laughs> Every now and then I'm like, hmm, you served? Yes, yes, yes. No, no, I didn't. Like, oh well, you could have. <laughs> you fit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. What what I get a lot is, uh, are you are you a police officer? Um, I, I yeah, I think I scare some people that way, but uh, I, I just you know it's. If you're, I like to say I'm, I'm, and I'm not taking anything from anybody or, or making me feel any more important than anybody or make me sound like I am a veteran. <clears throat> but because of the history that I've learned about and my, in my family and my respect for veterans and people who serve, I, I like to say that I've got a military mind, I guess. I'm military-minded um, where I, I get it and I wish I did serve. And... Um, yeah, so long, long, uh, long answer to that one too. What have you found that makes veterans different from the general population? I, I find uh, biggest difference is the respect and camaraderie that they've got. When I mean, I've I've had held more events where they were for veterans, for military people, for first responders, um, but I've, I've the camaraderie is what really stands out to me. You know, the, these guys and gals, I mean, when they get together, they're, there's a closest, they, they might've been away from each other for two, three, four, five years. But when they get together, man, it's like, they've seems like they've, they never were parted, you know, they just, a, I won't say a click. It, it's, 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 it's much more important and better than a, it's click. a bond. It's a camaraderie. It's a bond. Exactly. And I, that's really cool. And uh, I stand back and I look, and watch and listen, and I'm like, geez, I would love to have been a part of that, you know. 
You know, I, it's really interesting listening to your description of it. I'm always curious about the perspective of others. And if I look at, say, a high school reunion, you go back, you see people you haven't seen in 20, 30 years, and uh, it's kind of nice to see them, but that bond is just not there. But when I see people that I haven't seen in 20, 30 years, um, it's an embrace. You know, it's, uh, uh, we embrace each other. And the feeling, and there's always this core group. Um, it's the tougher something was that you went, you know, uh, through with somebody, the, t- the tighter that bond. So if it was somebody you went through battle school with, um, that's, that's hard. So those people you have a very strong bond with. But if you've done a tour of duty with somebody, especially a, a particular core group, and you knew them well, they were in your section or in your platoon, and you have some memories with them. There's something about that that uh, you're right. I don't find it anywhere else. And the love that I have for those that I served with is um, unquestionable. And still to this day, any of the old crew from that group, and there's a, really a handful of them that stick out, uh, if they needed me to cross the country and help them do something, I would. Uh, I wouldn't even ask why. I just do it. And um, that's interesting. The perspective of others on that bond. And I've been out for a very, very long time. But it's uh, it's still an interesting thing to to observe. So you've been across the country. What's the biggest surprise that you've had um, interviewing all all of these veterans? Mm, surprise. Um, I always say nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> I, I've, I've been been through a lot. I've seen a lot in my in my short fifty four years. But um, surprise, I, I I don't know that anything's really surprised me. Um, that's that's a tough one to answer. Um, Yeah, I, I can't think of anything. That's all right. That's right. You get a pass. Um, I'll take it. Phone a friend. The war porn. I imagine that you've heard some uh, pretty horrific war stories. Is that correct? I, yeah, I have. I have. I've heard uh, quite a few. And as soon as you mention that, um, two of them pop into my mind. And um, I am not sure how, like, I'm, I'm, if you go to my website page, the first thing you'll see when you see a trailer, it says, learn how it really happened, or how would you like to know how it really happened? You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of censoring or anything else like that, um, but if you want me to tell a, a story or two. Um, Actually not. Uh, on this show, because our, our, our uh, focus is trauma recovery and right uh, where I was going uh, the direction I was going with that question is that one of our rules in our peer support groups is no war porn um, now right. the the occasional guest I have on here they start start off in a story is like well I guess I'll have to put a disclaimer on this episode and um, and off it goes but it's very very difficult for those of us that can truly connect to it um, yeah. well, at least for me I, I can't speak for everybody but for a lot of us we can't hear the stories you know, we don't tell the stories and we can't hear the stories. They're just too damn much because it's not a story to us. I can put myself into that story and and, and live it as, as I'm listening to it. 
and uh, so it's it's too much. And in fact, the people that share the war porn stories, uh, it's usually one or one of a couple of things. One, the story isn't true, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or or two, that's just how they deal with it and process it, um, and they haven't really um, connected to how rough that story actually is. So it's one of those. Yeah. One of those two things. They just haven't, um, they're not far enough down the healing road to really go, oh shit, that's not a funny story. That's a terrifying story. And I probably need to talk to somebody about that. <laughs> and those are, those are the kind of things that like, as soon as you started going there, um, it pops into my mind. And um, again, like I've sat with a lot of veterans from, from period, from like I said, the 1930s and 40s, right up to current. And um yeah, some of some of the stuff is just unbelievable. And as I'm hearing the stories, I'm shaking my head, like not not in disbelief, but just in amazement that uh, you know people can you can go to war and, and this stuff happens. I mean, you're talking humans dealing with each other. It's just unbelievable what can happen. Um, but yeah, uh, some some there's a I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk about not so much the the war porn of it, but the the effect of one of these guys coming to talk to me. Um, he was, um, his name was Victor Shea, Vic Shea, and he, he was a North Nova Scotia Highlander alongside my, my uncle Pearlie Cameron. Uh, both of them were regimental boxers and that's how my, that's how Vic got to know Pearlie. Um, man, you want to see the size of this guy's hands? He went to shake my hand and it was the size, the size of a sledgehammer, this guy's fist. Here he's like 90 years old and I'm still intimidated as old as guy, you know. <laughs> It could be 30 years old, I'll be intimidated. But uh, but he um, he heard that I was doing, I, was, I wanted to do a documentary on my uncle's North Nova Scotia Highlanders. There's a regimental diary, which is book form called No Retreating Footsteps, which is an amazing read. It's uh, it's a regimental diary, but it's book, it's done in really, a really good style book form. So it's, a, it's an easy read and, and amazing, amazing information. I actually read about the uh, Battle of Tilly where my great uncle was killed, and I didn't realize it was a hand-to-hand combat kind of situation until I read this, and it just gave me a whole different uh, perspective. But back to Vic Shea, um, he found out that I was the nephew of Pearlie, and this young guy was coming around interviewing North Nova Scotia Highlanders. Mm-hmm. Found out that my um, my uncle was Pearlie, and he had enough respect for my great uncle that, uh, or my uncle Pearlie that he wanted to come and be a part of it. Uh, he hadn't spoken about his experiences in 68 years at that point, And that was right around the time where I was interviewing. Um, he signed up with the first Canpera first, first, firstly. And then just not long after that, he signed up with the North Nova Scotia Islanders, landed on the beaches, June 6th, went through, uh, Bernie Samara, Benny Samara, through through uh, Outhi, Grand, hardcore places where the uh, basically the North Nova Scotia Highlanders were were blooded, if you want to call it. That's where they they really got hit by the uh, 12th SS Hitler Youth. Um, went right straight through Germany, um, Holland, Belgium, Germany, all through the battles in France. I mean, saw some stuff. He. Um, Hadn't spoke about it in, in all this time. Comes, we sit down. We're sitting out for an hour. <clears throat> he had this look of, I mean, I knew he good guy. He's just so friendly and welcoming, but he was talking to me. He was gritting his teeth. He was like, he was back there again. And um, after after the interview, 
shook my hand. He came back once from from where he, he left the interview. He went to have lunch, came back. He had a, a gift for me. It was uh, the first annual uh, memorial gathering for the North Nova Scotia Highlanders. He gave me a copy of that and a few other things, which I thought was awesome. I mean, um, I just made a, friend, a really cool friend, and he appreciated what I did. Um, I so appreciate what he did. That was amazing. Went on to my other interviews. A week later, I get a, um, or probably two weeks later, I get a piece in the mail. It's a card from his caretaker who brought him along that day um, saying thanks for doing what you, you do. Um, Vic had an amazing day. Uh, he said all of the things that he'd gone through, um, he never spoke about it, but he had it all up there. And she said, Victor said to me along the way on the drive home, I can forget about it. It's documented. That was pretty, that hit home. I'm getting goosebumps as I say that. Um, about a year later, <clears throat> I get a message from one of his grandkids saying that, um, again, thank you for, for what you're doing. Thanks for interviewing uh, Grandpa Vic. We always knew he, he was a big teddy bear. We always knew he had a really soft inside, but he always had that hard shell that we couldn't break through. You know, we he was we knew he had it, but he just he wasn't allowing us in. You know, and uh, they said or she said after after that interview, we had our granddad. You know, we had we had our big soft teddy bear. So if that's the least that I'm doing with my interviews with anybody, so they can forget about it now because it's documented. That's that's why I do what I do right there. I mean, hearing, hearing that, that's, that puts it home for me, you know. It's a talent to get those stories out of people. My grandpa, well, both my grandpas actually were World War II, but my, on my mom's side, he died when I was just like six. Uh, but my, um, my dad's dad, I, the, I was in the Croatia War in 1994. I got out of the Army in 95. And um, once... I was had been there, and I went to visit my grandpa. It was just the two of us. Unsolicited, the stories just started coming out of him. And what I learned later is that uh, I'm the only one he ever told the stories to, and I didn't even ask. It's just that, okay, you've been in a war. You get it now. I can tell you. Um, stories he never told his son. He never told my dad any of these. And uh, unfortunately, he died in 96, so I didn't have a time to, to document any of them, and I don't really remember much except for the general gist of, of them, but uh, um, what a treat it would have been to have those documented and uh, be, be sitting down and having him share those stories. Now, he died in 96 at the age of 78, and that was a long time ago. Uh, how many mm -hmm. World War II vets are even alive anymore? Do you have an idea? Well, I guess going going by 2000, I think they're 2017 or 2018 statistics. There were approximately 25 to 30,000 Canadian uh, World War II veterans still alive. Um, that now, based the statistic was we're losing two to 2,500 a month. Um, so that's I'm sure that's dropped quite a bit since then. Um, so that you know, just do the math on that. I mean, I was just getting ready to interview. Um, the last World War One veteran who lived in Seattle. This would have been about ten years ago. So that was the, the point I'm making. There is they're no longer with us. Yeah. The World War Two veterans are going to be in the same situation here real soon. You know. So that's um, 
not to talk about COVID because I hate talking about COVID. Um, <laughs> that this is one of the negative, real, true negative things for me with with what's going on here nowadays. Is that there's veterans contacting me all the time, wanting to be interviewed. But if they're in a facility, and I've I've worked in television, there's a certain way I like to do this. I like to give it a professional look as much, you know. I, I try to put into it uh, as much respect and uh, as I can to give back to the veterans. But I can't access those veterans. I can't go into the facilities. They can't come out because if they come out, they can't go back in again. Right. So I'm losing so many opportunities. We are losing so many opportunities to document these. I mean, it's an American uh, term, but the greatest generation, man. You can't you can't say that they're not the greatest generation. They are. They they were there for a reason, and um, for six years they were scrapping over in Europe and. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of respect for them, like I do veterans in general. But the uh, the World War II veterans were where my heart was. Where that's why I got into what I got into. Um, so yeah, we're long, long or short answer to that question is we're losing them too fast, too yeah. fast. Well, a full. Um, I mean, some of the people like my grandpa spent six years in the war. That's how long the war was. He's there the whole time from beginning to end. Comes back and he's got an eight year old son. He's like, oh. Who are you? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, two weeks in a war is a lot. Uh, I only have one tour. It's six months. That's it. But that six months shaped the rest of my life. And uh, six years, I can't even imagine. That's... I said it before the interview, but, I, again, I want to say thank you for your service, man, and all that you've done for us. So I want to make sure that uh, everybody knows that as well. I thank you for all your service. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, how do people enjoy your body of work? How can, uh, is there a, a public forum where people can, can watch some of these interviews? Well, right, right now, um, on my website, I've got not as many as I want to have on there. Uh, Facebook, I probably put more on the Facebook pages, which is not the way to do it, but more people seem to go to Facebook to see things. I put a lot on my Facebook pages, so there's my own personal page, Veterans Voices of Canada page. Um, there's a Veterans Voice of Canada Flags of Remembrance national page, and then other of my site pages as well that I've got info and, and interviews on. Um, the problem with this is, and I know you're aware of how this works, but you do an hour-long interview, um, there comes editing time. Yeah. Um, so, so an hour-long interview, you're going through it, uh, you know, you're taking out what you need out of that interview that can be used. And then video-wise, okay, now you've got archival footage you've got to put in there. So you're talking a good couple of, if, if I sat down, we sat down for to do an, uh, an edit of an interview, you're talking at least two days to do a good a good interview that's, that's viewable and, and interesting uh, visually. Um, so my thing is, okay, I'm going to do as many interviews as I can do, especially with the older veterans. Uh, have them done before it's too late, and then I can do the editing down the road. And I'm hoping, hoping that I can get a volunteer somewhere along the way that can help me with those editing those interviews. That's what I'm really working on. Um, I've got a lot going on. It's not just you're, you're probably going to ask about it, but it's a lot more than veteran documentation that Veterans Voice of Canada does. Um, that's one of the most important things. But um, we've got a lot going on right now, and. Uh, it takes people to make it happen, you know. I wonder if anybody, um, when people do pass, if they've uh, used your uh, video work to be played at the at the memorial service as part of the eulogy. 
I, I received a phone call just last year. Um, I've received quite a few of them, but the most recent one was uh, uh, Harry Decker. He was, uh, was it Harry Decker. I'm pretty sure it's Harry Decker. He was a North Nova Scotia Highlander as well. He was a later joining. He was later joining up, and he was Occupation Force. And I interviewed him back in Nova Scotia uh, several years ago. And um, I get a phone call from I think it was his uh, nephew or niece. I forget, forget exactly what it was, but we're we're sitting here watching uh, Harry Harry's uh, video at the funeral at the at the wake. And they're crying, telling me, thank you so much for doing this, you know. I mean, that, that's, pretty, that's pretty awesome. That is know? pretty awesome. It is. So, again, things like that tell me what, what we're doing here is, uh, is important, it's needed, and I'll keep doing it until I can't do it anymore. You know? Well, and for, to support you, to keep you going and keep doing what you're doing, which I believe is incredibly important work to document these stories, how do people support you? Well, you can go to vetvoicecan.org, which is the uh, website, and you can see some of the videos that we talked about on there. Um, but there's a donation page there. You can donate once. You can donate uh, monthly, however you want to do it. Um, everything is appreciated. We also have something that we call Flags of Remembrance happening each year. Um, that's an annual event where we fly 128 flags in communities across Canada. It's our signature event. And another way to uh, not only support what we do at Veterans Voice of Canada, but it's also another way to honor and give tribute to your past or present uh, veteran or first responder, uh, you can sponsor a plaque of honor. And uh, those plaques are shown or displayed underneath each of those flags that fly uh, at at each of our sites each year. So um, if you want to talk about that, it's up to you, but I've got all this paraphernalia here that i can show you and uh, get a better idea but well this is just audio so (laughs) that's not not gonna not gonna work but uh al i think we're about there the work that you're doing is so important and it's important to the families but on a in a broader scope it is important to the for the history of this country to to maintain that and to keep that together and uh, I wonder if there's going to be any movies put together and people will be like, hey, uh, could, <laughs> can, can we uh, get some of that footage? We need, need that for this uh, movie. But thank I've you. I've it already. That is awesome. But yeah. uh, L. Cameron, uh, thank you so much for being on Tango Romeo. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. And uh, again, thank you, everybody, yourself and everybody who's listening for your service. That's appreciated. Roger that. Q-O-T-R-O. Thank you for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Drama Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. With a vision of a world where the path to recovery is clear. I am your OPSO, Mark Meinke, and this is Operation Tango Romeo, the Drama Recovery Podcast.